Um, Today we're starting reading from John 16, uh, verse 31, to chapter 17, verse 26. So John 16, verse 31. You believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and I have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them.
Can you hear me? In a minute, you will hear me, and I will get my water. Awesome. Good morning, everybody. I'm really excited about today because, partially because I'm Laura and I get excited pretty easily, and I think that might be part of it, but we have a really um, encouraging message this morning, I think. Um, Challenging. Challenging in some ways, but encouraging, and I'm praying that it'll bring all of you deeper as well into um, what God has for you and for us as a community at Wellspring and in our own communities, whether they're in Egypt or all of our other important places also. Um, So we are, like Bill mentioned, Bill actually did a little chunk of my sermon for me. Thank you. And I feel like so much... Is that the right time? Holy smokes. Okay. Cool. You hungry? Because you're going to be here for a little bit still. Uh, just kidding. I'll, okay. Um, so we're going through the Apostles' Creed. And I have it on the slides. So we can read it together. Why don't we stand? Just because you guys have been sitting for a bit. And we'll, oh, did I do that or did you do that, Kwaku? I did that? Oh, nice, cool. I have a remote today. Okay, let's go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So, believe it or not, oh, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Believe it or not, what we just read together is four sentences. Huh? Four sentences. At first, it's kind of like, is Paul writing this? These are some run-on things going on here. But there's a lot of meat to be packed into a creed, which is the beliefs of the Christian Population, which is like a massive thing. And it's four sentences, three sentences, and an amen. So make that however many sentences you want to make it. Um, last week, Bill, um, Bill began us into the third sentence by starting us off with, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And today we continue into that. And it's really neat to see um, the makeup of this thing, because we have, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then Jesus, and like, boom, all of that about Jesus. And it it walks you through his life, right? All the way from conception to death to back to life again, and into the future, which is also our future. And then we have the Holy Spirit. And these, these things that are listed beneath the Holy Spirit are essentially impossible without the Holy Spirit working within us on a daily basis. It's not a far, a 
afar removed, Jesus lived, died, all of that happened. We are very much a part of this creed, and this this is why a creed is so important, because this is who we are as the people of God, and this is this is what we believe. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there's this list of things that were chosen and selected to be within the creed, and today we focus on being the Holy Catholic Church, which Bill introduced you to the concept. This is not the Roman Catholic Church that we're speaking about. My mind is a little bit blown when I realized there's a difference between Catholic and Roman Catholic. And then I was sort of like, why in the world do they do that to us? But okay. Um, But it makes sense because the Catholic Church, again, as Bill sort of prefaced, it refers to the entire church worldwide. It is the people of God extended. And I believe it was Ignatius who used Catholic in this way for the first time. I'm not used to having Jordan here, (laughs) but he gave me the thumbs up and the nod and a smile, so I'm good. Um, But it was Ignatius who first used it, and it was to to, um, be used as a term to separate um, the churches who are governed by bishops who have been put into place to take care of each church, and then the overarching church, big C church of God, under whom or who Christ is the head of, and we are functioning as his church around the world. And so, of course, when I was preparing, I was like, so little C Catholic, big C church, and then I went into a Sesame Street thing, and I was looking up songs about the letter C, and you'll be very glad to know I will not be including those in this morning's sermon. But it was fun for a little bit. Shout out to Sesame Street and the education of our future generation. Um, That is the Catholic part. But then within this phrase, we have not only that we believe in the Catholic Church, we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which is like, okay, so we belong to the Catholic Church, little c Catholic Church, um, but there's this holy factor that's involved. And holiness, again, is only possible through God and through the work that Jesus did and through um, we have his life as the example of what holiness looks like and what Christ did on the cross has changed our identity as his people forever because we are no longer um, we are no longer these people who are separated from God because of our actions and because of our hearts that have been so far strayed away from him we have been now brought into his presence as holy people. And um, that holiness and that that part of who we are, I want to focus on for just a little bit. Um, I won't lie, this is completely blank. And I don't want to keep entering my password, and I didn't print up my notes, so we're going to wing it a little bit. But um, when it comes to having been made holy, which we see again in further back in the creed, we see the work of Christ. And I think it's really beautiful that when the Holy Spirit is mentioned, the first thing is his holy Catholic church, that we are one together because of what Christ has done. It sets us apart as his people in a new way. And this, this holiness that we know and inhabit is seen throughout scripture in so many ways. And there are so, so many different scriptures that, that talk about holiness. And there are so many different parts, um, that outline how we can 
how we can live our lives to be holy, how we can um, look to the example of Christ and others to live holy lives. And um, it's, it's interesting to me that holiness is something that has become this, like, impossibility for us to wrap our minds around because because we're humans right we make mistakes um i am a recovering perfectionist who is still very much at the beginning of that journey i'd like to think i'm like done but i'm not um and that is a terrible thing because perfectionism i think strands is a strand of this i have to be holy and in in scripture it says be holy as I am holy, as your God is holy, be holy like he is, um, that's daunting in a really big way when you don't remember that you've been cleansed and washed and you already are holy. And that is your identity as his child. Um, I had this really interesting vision that I was reminded of this morning when I was thinking about what we were going to be talking about today. And I want to share it with you. Um, when I was in Mozambique, um, I had some really amazing encounters with the Holy Spirit and just had some, yeah, bizarre and exciting things that I got to see God doing. And one of the things that that happened or that he showed me in a time of worship was this this vision. And in worship, we were talking about um, laying our crowns at his feet and like worshiping him and saying how worthy he is of our crowns. But then there was this image of he picks that crown up and he puts that back on our heads. And he goes, you're my child. And like, yes, thank you. And thank you. And thank you. And thank you. And like, it's this like, we've been crowned and we lay that down. And he crowns us. And we lay our crowns down. And it's like this perpetual motion of crowning. But um, I just thought of birth. Sorry for anybody else whose brain went there. (laughs) Joel's laughing. (laughs) Yeah, no, not that kind of crowning. Like, I have been crowned. For the audio people, that sounded all the same, but I motioned that I have a crown on my head. Anyways, so in this time of worship, I was thinking about that, and I was kind of just like, okay, Lord, what does my crown look like? <laughs> and he, he gave me this vision of being cleansed by his blood. And that was an interesting thing to see because um, it wasn't like like a blood bath. It wasn't like, oh, I'm having a milk bath or a salt bath or whatever other kind of baths there are. It wasn't like that kind of cleansing. It was like he dumped a bucket of blood into my head. Like where my crown would go, this bucket of blood was dumped. And as as this blood went somehow into my head, like into my physical body, it started to, it's like I could, I didn't, feel this process happening, but I knew what was happening in this vision. And blood um, began to come out of my eyes. But before, you know, you know when you pour water into a, a jar of sand and all the sand like needs to come up before it's all gone and then it's just water? I should have done that experiment. That would have been fun. Well, um, so that type of thing was happening. And all this gunk was coming out of my eyes like sand and dirt and all this stuff until it was just like blood pouring out of my eyes, which again is a little graphic, but beautiful when you think of it in terms of purification. And this process continued through my entire body. And I heard him saying to me, 
Water, these are the things that you have been, like, this is the power of my blood. When you've been cleansed by my blood, things you've seen that you shouldn't have seen, whether or not you were looking to go and see them or whether or not they appeared in your face and you're kind of like, I wish I had never seen or witnessed that. You've been cleansed of those things. Those are not yours to hold on to anymore. Things that you've heard, blood after all the gunk came out of my ears, blood is pouring out through my ears and, um, And he's saying things you've heard, things that you've listened to, those lies that are not yours, you are not identified by those things. And that is not who you are. And my blood has changed that because it gives you a new identity. And it carried on through my mouth, things I had spoken, things I had said, things that I had yelled or shouted at perhaps my sister and family members because they seem to get most of the yelling Isn't it funny how that works? How family is the, like, first line of attack, like, from ourselves? More on that later. But um, it continued out, out through my fingers, out through my hands, the works that my hands have done, the motions that have happened. My sister and I used to pinch one another when we were fighting as kids. Do you remember this, Lisa? Yeah. So we would, we would pinch each other until like, and like sometimes I would be pinching her and she would be pinching me at the same time. And we would just like pinch really hard, like just on each other's arms. And you know, when you pinch really hard, you get those little indents in your, whatever. We would see who could last the longest and just be like, ow, 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 ow. And like, so silly. But the blood has washed that out too. My pinch battles with my sister which were not pleasing to the Lord and did not bring wholeness to our relationship, have been cleansed and washed away by the blood of Christ. On through my entire body, out through my feet, the places that my feet have taken me that I knew I was not supposed to go into, the gunk came out of my feet and soon it was just blood. And there's now I'm just looking like something out of a horror movie. What's worse than a horror movie probably looked more like that, but I'm just like blood everywhere and on the ground the blood formed and began to kind of swirl and there was a crown of thorns and I went oh Jesus because my sin was paid for by Christ and this crown of thorns to think that anything I could have done would even add up to a thorn on that crown is like oh my gosh I don't want to be part of that horrific death that Jesus died and went to willingly, but to see this crown. And I just went, oh my goodness, Lord. And then the vision kind of continued and it showed the crown on his head. And I was only the, the only one at Golgotha and the cross was up there and he had died. And then it was sort of like a drama sketch. Like the prop guys came up and it was time to take down the cross. So they like flipped the cross over and like carried it off. (laughs) I have funny visions. And this cross is carried off. But as, as the, the cross is flipped, his crown fell down and it fell onto the ground. And I'm looking at the crown of thorns again. And as, as I'm looking at this crown and still trying to process the fact that my sin had a cost and that, that there's this relationship between the death of Jesus and my sin. As I'm looking at this crown, I know that they've carried him off, and my, I know the story. So Jesus gets taken to the tomb. He's buried. Like we just read in the creed, he's been buried. He descends to hell. 
he rises again. And as he rises again, I'm still looking at the crown. I know this is happening. And this crown of thorns begins to transform in front of my eyes. And it becomes a garland of flowers. And then the resurrected Jesus is standing in front of me. And he picks up this garland of flowers. And he puts it on my head. And he doesn't say a word. He just looks at me and he smiles at me. And he's now crowned me. And I have this crown of flowers on my head. And that was really huge for me in my relationship with the Lord. And it really does change the way that we consider our lives with him. Because then the vision continues. And I thought of myself as a little girl. Because as a girl, you know, you want to... Like the little flower crowns, right? You make the little clovers or whatever those little white flowers are. Make them into a little crown or necklace. And then I'm thinking of myself as a child. And then I see this big field. And there's the throne of God. Like whatever I would imagine a throne to look like. In an open field of grass. Again, nobody's around. It's just us. He's sitting on his throne. And there's like a curtain rod. And I know where the curtain's supposed to be. But of course... The curtain has, the veil has been torn. His death opened up that way. And I ran up to him and I jumped up on his lap and I started chatting with him about something. And I know I saw a butterfly and I run and I chase it. And then I come back and this like, we get to cross in and out of this thing that used to divide and separate us that no longer exists. And wouldn't it be incredible if we could actually believe that for ourselves? Wouldn't it be so incredible if we could do our best to return to those moments where we know we have been cleansed and we know that we're right with God? Our rightness with God does not come from our perfectionism. I say that to you as someone who's struggling to work through that still. If I do enough, if I, if I speak, if I do these things, if I whatever, and I'm going back to what my body is physically doing. If I look at the right things, don't look at the right things. Listen to the right things. Don't listen to the right things. Don't speak those bad things. Only speak life. Those are important things to do. But I am holy before any action took place because of what Christ has done. Is that kind of jiving with people? Hopefully. Okay. Thank you. Um, So this is our identity as the Holy Catholic Church. And it's amazing that Bev and Chris are here today to share with us the work that's happening happening in Egypt. I feel like I was sitting there and I was watching everything happen and we're praying and the prayers that we're praying and hearing from Chris and Bev and the worship and all of these things coming together. I'm like, I don't even need to preach. Like, this is the Holy Catholic Church at work. We get to hear what the Lord is doing in these different countries in these different places, and we're connected to them through the Holy Spirit. Because again, the Holy Catholic Church isn't possible without the Holy Spirit. And in this prayer that Darlene read for us, that was very long, but you did excellently. I hope you guys were able to sit with this. Because this prayer in John 17, especially, that's where most of our reading came from today, but extending all the way back to like 13, 14, 15-ish. In 13, Jesus begins to wash his disciples' feet. And the, the Passover begins. One of you will betray me. Judas is doing his thing, doing 
whatever Judas has got going on. And Jesus has all of these things that he's speaking to his disciples. And it's like I saw this for the first time and I felt like a fly on the wall watching Jesus talk to his disciples. He knows that it's coming soon. And he knows that the disciples have no idea what's about to happen, even though he's been trying to tell them in many ways. And at the end of his conversation with them, at the end of these things that he's leaving with them, just before they leave to go to the garden, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And I read it and I almost started crying because I'm just seeing Jesus as this person who loved his people so much that he's just crying out to the Lord on their behalf, crying out for their unity, crying out for for them to know the joy that he's known, to know that they are one with the Father, just as he is one with the Father. This is what he wanted us to know. And it even says that in part of it. It says, this is not just for my disciples, but for those who will believe as a result of them. We are those people. Jesus is praying over us in this time right before his death and it's incredible to think of jesus interacting with us and i love time travel the concept of time travel watching movies and shows about time travel i love it i love it i love it so much but to have like a real life time traveling moment would be cool and this is maybe as close as it gets sometimes but hearing and reading jesus's prayer knowing that that prayer is specifically for us as his church is amazing and um within his holy catholic church there are differences of course there's such a, a push and um a longing for him to know that we are one because he knows that the world is looking to tear us apart and like family right The first people we attack are the ones that love us so much. Is it because we know we're so loved that we feel safe enough to lash out? Is it that they're just closest in proximity and shots are fired and they're standing right there? I don't know what it is, but there's a lot to that. And I think of our holy Catholic church and where we're at right now in the world. And I studied the history of Christianity, and it's a yucky history, but that's where we come from. And I'm not going to even pretend to start talking about that now because we'll never leave this building. But the history of the church is messy and awful and revolting in many places. And that disgusting part of who we are as Christians continues today. And people that love Jesus and are excited about what he's doing in the world are praying for leaders to come into power that i would never want to see in power but they're my brothers and sisters and that is messy and that is difficult to wrap my mind around um so i will leave that with you but going into that a little bit um first peter talks about us this is again going back to the holiness And this speaks to who we are, right? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And in the midst of these differences, it's up to us to choose how we move forward with 
people in our own congregation, not all of us here, agree with everything that the other person says, that would be absurd because, and kind of culty if we did, right? I mean, it's kind of good to have differences and to have discussions and to converse about these things and discuss about the issues that make us passionate and they're passionate the opposite way. And you're like, but how can you ever say that? And they're like, how could you ever say that? Mercy and grace are real and we've been extended them. So it's time to start extending them outwards as well. And as the Holy Catholic Church, we are his people. My sister reminded me of the song. Um, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by his love. And she reminded me of that song. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what my sermon is about. We're to be known by our love. And if people looked at the Holy Catholic Church at this point in time, right now in history, forget the revolting past, who knows where we're going? Look at us here and now. Are we known by our love? Sometimes, yes. And that's exciting. And Wellspring is a place of love and that welcoming heart to open our doors to anybody who will come in. We are excited to get to know new people and to love them. We're not perfect. We're not even close to perfect. We are known by love sometimes. There are other times that we are known by extreme views that push others out when we are the ones that are supposed to be welcoming. And we're, we're wrestling through a lot too. We're reading an ancient piece of text and trying to live our lives by it in 2018. And that's difficult. And their interpretations of the Bible, again, by our brothers and sisters who love Jesus and are cleansed through, through and through by his blood, our holy Catholic church, brothers and sisters, and we're saying opposite things. And my point isn't to stand here and drive a wedge between us because that would entirely be the complete opposite message of today and of today's focus. Differences, I've begun to see, are not always bad. And the fact that different became bad is so saddening to me and I can't imagine how the Lord feels about that either because if you look at his creation nothing is the same and again because I'm Laura my brain went like oh my goodness and this is different and this is different and nothing is the same and flowers I've loved gardening lately our front garden was quite the chore I was working with a well-seasoned gardener Donna Barker sorry I just exposed you not sorry I'm not Kathleen Wynn. Our leaders, oh my gosh, all the trains of thought. Gardening is fun and tough. And Sophia was there and patiently persevering through digging up these roots. And Tom and Chad were helping us too. And Ross was helping dig out these like well-rooted, deep-in-the-ground bushes. And we're pulling them out and we're planting these things. And I don't know what flowers are going to look nice there. And Donna's like, oh, we could get one of these and this would look really nice. And I don't even know their names anymore to tell you what she told me. You can go and see them. They look nice. I don't know what to partner together to make a garden look beautiful. But I know there's variety. And as beautiful as it is to see these images of a sunflower field. If, oh my gosh, I sometimes just look there and giggle and squeal because there are so many sunflowers in one place and that's beautiful. But if I only ever saw sunflowers for the rest of my life, I don't think I'd be giggling anymore and my squeals would turn to disgust because you can only look at a sunflower for so long. Or 
tulips. I'm pretty sure those are tulips. This is a blue flower, and there are many of them also. Donna? (laughs) Other gardeners? I know you're out there. Okay. So we're together in this. We don't know all our flowers. That's okay. Flowers on their own are beautiful. And when they're congregated and they're together in one place, being this one burst of color, isn't that beautiful? But we need all the different bursts of color. We need them to come together in a garden. We need them to come together and to be amongst each other. And I'm sure many of you are following where I'm going with this, but as the Holy Catholic Church, I don't know what kind of flower Wellspring would be because we're a whole bunch of wildflowers on our own, right? We don't all look the same in here, but we represent this this beautiful garden. And if you want to ask the Lord what kind of flower you are, I'm sure he'll tell you. And I'm sure some of you already know what kind of flower you would be if you were to be a flower. But we have all been created so differently. And again, scripture over and over again comes back to this this appeal, like Paul's written to the Corinthians. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Imagine if our same judgment was, that is a holy brother of mine who's really struggling right now. I wonder how I can love him. And if people's judgment of me was, that is one of my holy sisters, and she's going through a really tough time right now, and she's struggling. I wonder how I can love her, because I need that. I'm struggling. We're all struggling. Nobody's got it together. But that's okay. Galatians, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 7. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And I think that's what we need to be moving towards, right? As as the church of God, when we come together, not... Focusing on our differences and being like, yeah, that guy's really great, but did you know that he actually believes this? I know, it's disappointing, because he could have been great. Or that girl, she's so good. Have you heard her sing? She's amazing. Did you know, though, that she actually doesn't believe in this? Too bad, she could have been really great otherwise. There's no good that's coming out of that. Her good singing and his greatness have now been canceled out in your mind brain and mind, mind, by the fact that they don't believe what you believe. And that is so disappointing for all of us. We're missing out. My sister and I are very different people. And I asked her in advance if it's okay that I talk about us because we're so different. And people that know us are like, ha ha ha, yes, so different. And we've, we've had very different, we were raised together, grew up in the same family together. Mom and dad are here. Lisa's here. I'm here. We are a family. My life looks very different than Lisa's, and Lisa's looks different than mine. And it could be easy to go, yep, that's the difference, that's the difference. You know those children's things? Sesame Street. Maybe they're the ones that God is starting on this. Like, look at these pictures and find the differences. That could be great and, like, helps your brain develop in a certain way. But if that's what we're living our lives by, spotting the differences, 
when we're spotting differences to pump ourselves up or to maybe lower others down, not helpful, not good, not pleasing to the Lord or to us, not beneficial to us or to the other or to those around us. And lately, my sister and I have been having way more conversations, and it's been amazing because we've had our differences, and we've life has taken us, and the Lord has taken us where we've gone, and now we're talking more. And wouldn't you know it, we're a whole lot more similar than I thought at the beginning. And to hear her talk and share things that bring her to life about making a change in the neighborhood that she lives in to see, to see her passion for um, speak, just being a presence in her community, excited to share with others about what her tattoos say because it's important to her. And she thinks that maybe it could be cool for them to know that too. That's something that drives me too. That passion to see others changed in our communities, to just be part of the community. This desire to be part of something bigger, which we've seen through being part of the church. I would like to think. We've seen the Lord bring people together that are very different, and we can see how great it is. We also both can tell you lots of ways that it's really not been great, and how it's become more of a judgmental, judgy, judgy, yucky place. But when we see our differences, not only as not the most important thing about the other person, But when we grow and learn from them, Lisa's taught me so many things I never would have known. Her music in high school was way better than mine because I was listening to, like, Hillsong and, like, the worship stuff. And I I liked that music a lot, which is great. Nothing against worship music. But she had all the, like, the fun songs that people were listening to. I was like, oh, I like this song. What's that called? She's like, you've never heard this song? And I'm like, uh, nope. And she's sharing all of her music. And I wouldn't have had that music if we didn't have different tastes in music. What about food? If we didn't have, and this is, we do have different tastes in food sometimes too, but this goes for all of us, right? If we look at the differences that exist in our world today, just try, I mean, don't do it now. Listen to what we're talking about and be here with us. But later, if you can think of something that there's only one exact thing of, that has no variation anywhere, come and tell me. But like you think of nature, butterflies. I was gonna talk to you about the conservatories, but we're running short on time. There are so many different types of butterflies in the world. And that's butterflies. They're insects. There are so many different types of insects in the world. Never mind the animals. You don't go to the zoo to look only at hippos. I love hippos, but I would go to like a hippo sanctuary for that. And even within hippos, you're gonna find different types of hippos because it's not just like, hey, I made one hippo, and this is what they all look like, and this is a cookie-cutter hippo, and that's the only hippo you'll ever get to see. That's not what God's thinking. He's like, and I can make a hippo like this, and then hippos will evolve and change and become this, and then the surroundings will create this. Like, we have seasons, guys. Like, nothing was created to just be one thing. And yet, at the same time, that's exactly what we're called to be. We're called to be one. We're called to be one church, one body, one collection of believers, the holy Catholic church. And when you think of a garden, this is like, oh my goodness, Google gardens, if you're interested, there are so many pictures. I really like this one because it's got a lot of green in it and some are spiky and pointy and some are really tall and some are really little. We are meant to be a garden and 
when you think of a garden, you think of people planting it and nourishing it. And we could go really far with the analogy of how God is a gardener and how we are nourished and how we need the sun and the water. We can also consider that the plants in a garden are just growing and blossoming and doing what they do. A sunflower will grow the way a sunflower will grow when a tall spiky one will grow the way a tall spiky one will grow. And when you partner them up together, they look beautiful. And people come to gardens to feel peace. They go, wow, look at all this life. They go to gardens to be amazed by the colors, the beauty, the butterflies that rest on them. I like that part. But our differences need to come together and mesh. And when they do, they're places of healing. They're places of life. They are places of comfort. And that is who we are called to be as the church. When we bring ourselves together and as we, as we do community and do church together, being different, but celebrating those differences, having conversations about our differences, we're going to find ourselves amazed even more at the God who created us so differently. Don't think he's surprised by the fact that his church is not a great one church collection of people he knows that we're messy he knows it's not going to be great but he reminds us over and over what he thinks of us and that is that we are holy we are set apart we are called to minister to the world around us and so with that we'll close now Um, but let's pray let's pray